What's up, boys? 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 Welcome to the podcast, Hub Time Hoops. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about what's the best bench of all time. But uh, let's start off with Mateo's bench. So, the bench I'm going to be talking about today is the uh, 1999-2000 Orlando Magic. Um, re- relatively speaking, I think this is a team that's pretty much forgotten. Uh this is a couple of years after Shaq left, I believe four years later. And in the offseason prior to this season, um, this team lost their leading scorers in Nick Anderson and Petty Hardaway, um, as well as power forwards Horse Grant and then um, the center Isaac Austin. So that offseason, they, they went through a lot of changes. There were 31 player transactions in that preseason. Um, and this is really a whole new team. The best player on the team was Daryl Armstrong. This season, he averaged 16 points a game. Um, and relatively speaking, that's not a lot for the main part of your offense. Um, this bench had a lot of depth. Um, at a certain point, they were going about 11 deep. Uh, there's a lot of people that you can say were part of this bench. Um the members of this bench were Chuck Atkins, uh, he was a point guard, Pat Garrity, who's a power forward, Michael Doliak, who's a power forward, Monty Williams, who's a small forward. He's now the coach, I believe, of the Phoenix Suns. Um, Corey Maggot, uh, he's a shooting guard, and Chris Gatling, who's a power forward. So this team really didn't have any stars. Uh, they had a young Ben Wallace. They had Bo Outlaw. Both of those guys were really good defensive players. Um, But they didn't have anybody that was going to carry their team. Despite this, though, they still went 41-41. and They were a game out of the eighth seed. Uh, Their season was essentially decided um, in their 81st game against the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, who would be the eventual eighth seed. They lost that game by only two points. So this is a team that competed despite losing everything the prior season. So th- this, is a, this is a brand new team, essentially. And even the, even the new coach, Doc Rivers, who was making his head coaching debut in the NBA, this was the year that he won his first and only Coach of the Year award, taking his team to 41-41. and 41. Along with this, their executive, John Gabriel, won the Executive of the Year award for, I imagine, all those player transactions. Um, midseason, they traded away one of their starters, uh, as well as um, as well as uh, Chris Gatling, who was another bench contributor, for Ron Mercer, who was really the only player who stayed with the team uh, and actually contributed. Um, Chauncey Billups was also acquired in that deal, but he left um, the following offseason and never played for them because he was injured. So, so really, as you can see, this team didn't have much going for them. Um, But despite this, they went 41 and 41. This bench led the league in bench points per game, rebounds, assists. They were second in steals, fifth in field goal percentage, and eighth in three-point percentage. They averaged 48.2 points per game. That's 10 more points per game than the next best bench in the league, which was the Houston Rockets who were bad that year. And comparatively, I believe it's, it's been almost, after that, it took about 
15 years for another team to, to score more points per game than that bench. And considering the, the shift in pace that the league saw, that's kind of a shock. Um, that, that no bench contributed as much until basically like teams like last year's Clippers, um, who averaged 53.2 points per game and for basically every other stat compared almost identically. Um, so, so this bench was a large part of Orlando's success that year, um, getting to even the ninth seed in the East, uh, which is impressive for a team without a star. Uh, but their, their players were, were pretty well balanced. Um, they had all types of role players coming off the bench. Each of them contributed in different ways. Uh, Chucky Atkins, who was a point guard, he was an undrafted rookie that year. He was three years removed from college, um, but ultimately joined the NBA All-Rookie second team that year. Uh, he had average efficiency, amazing, already surpassing expectations as a rookie. Uh, usually, you know, efficiency progresses as time goes along. And you don't see that to really, you know, come to fruition until a couple of years after being uh, entered into the NBA. So he was a very good contributor. Pat Garrity, six uh, nine power forward, second year in the NBA, another young guy, uh, very good stretch four, forty percent three point shooting, which is fourth among power forwards that year, um, and overall top twenty five in the league. So he's a very good shooter. They had good shooters. Um, they had good efficiency. Michael Doliak, six six eleven center. This was his second year in the NBA. Another young guy started the first 29 games, but played the rest of the season off the bench. So he's a balanced player. He has a really good mid-range jumper, and he was the best defender off the bench. He had about 1.9 defensive win shares, which was third on the team next to Bo Outlaw. Um, and then Corey Maggot, who was a 6'6 shooting guard, he was a rookie in the NBA. So another young guy. A very physical finisher at the rim, and he's most remembered for the mid-2000s when he was with the Clippers. He averaged about 20 points per game solidly. Um, he's pretty good at getting to the line. So, so he was also a really integral part of that offense. They've had finishing. They had jumping. Um, they had shooting. They had all of these aspects covered by only four of those players. And then they had Chris Gatling, who was a veteran presence. He was a 6'11 power forward. They did trade him mid-year, but he was he was probably their best bench scorer. Um, he averaged 13.3 points per game, um, and he was their best rebounder. Um, also a really strong, uh, really strong inside finisher. Drew fouls at a high rate. Uh, he he basically was the uh, the scoring key to that bench. And then Monty Williams, who's the last key contributor of that bench, um, was in the sixth year in the NBA. He was a balanced player, pretty efficient shooter from all over the court. Uh, and his best season of his career came during this season. And Monty Williams is most known for his coaching roles because he never really excelled in the NBA as a player, but he was definitely a really good contributor. All six of these players averaged over seven points per game. Five of them averaged over eight and so this is a team with nine players averaging over eight points per game, which is beyond what many teams can do. They, they, they reach through every player um, on their team to score. So this, this was a really balanced team. Everybody contributed. Um, the defense was solid and the efficiency was good. So I, I think that's a really, really impressive bench. Um, 
especially for a team who goes relatively uh, unremembered. This is a team that's been basically forgotten um, because it's before they got Tracy McGrady and after they had Penny Hardaway um, and Shaq. So this was, this was my pick for the best bench of all time. Um, realistically, I'm not sure if that's the case, but I really enjoyed their story. Um, Leo, I'm willing to pass it off to you unless you guys have some thoughts on that Magic team. So, yeah, really well-balanced team, really overachieving team. I think one important aspect was Doc Rivers as the coach. This was one of his first seasons, and it really showed how he's really good at getting the most out of his team. So, yeah, I like that pick. Yeah, that team really showed Doc Rivers' playing style, how he likes having a good, strong bench like he did last year on the Clippers. But on to my team, which I believe is also kind of – it's a forgotten year of the 76ers. Uh, the 1981-1982 season 76ers, right before they got Moses Malone and beat the Lakers in the championship, they came two games short of winning the championship in the finals. Um, they had Julius Irving, Marquise Cheeks. They had all these good starters, but their bench is what really carried them each and every game, in my opinion. Their bench averaged 53.4 points, and the playoffs they averaged 44.1 points when you usually see benches kind of drop off in the playoffs. Um, the bottom of their bench kind of uh, held to a rookie and a veteran. They both averaged about five points apiece and were just average players. But uh, the next four players have, were all pretty well-known names for themselves. Steve Mix, a small forward who had multiple all-star games, averaged about 7.2 points, was a veteran. He was a constant shooting threat at small forward position. But since it was back then, they didn't, have any, they didn't shoot that many threes. So he was on and off sometimes. Um, Mike Bantam, the power forward, averaged 8.8 .8 points. He was also a bench vet. But he came off the, the bench. He came off a starting spot from the team before he got traded from, averaging about 17 points. So he had to – he was just obviously a big – help for them off the bench the next two players were just the key roles of their bench daryl Dawkins and andrew towney daryl Dawkins averaged 11 points and was just a great defender and all he averaged 11 rebounds some nights through the first half of the season and the second half averaged like seven or eight and he averaged like a block a game and then andrew towney averaged 16 and a half points this season on 52 percent shooting and in the playoffs he stepped up his game to 17.8 points leading the playoffs in field goal attempts and shooting with 51%. He's also, he was one of the best shooters in the league from the three-point line at that time, which is pretty impressive, shooting, making about five threes in the playoffs. And before he came onto this team, since this was his second year in the NBA, he was a Southland Player of the Year, 1978 and 1980. Uh, then after the 1982 season, he became a starter on the Sixers, and he went, and he went to two All-Star games. This bench was obviously, in my opinion, the best bench of all time through all my research. And I never knew of Andrew Towney, who was just this amazing player lost in history. So, Ben, you can talk about your bench next, if, unless you have any thoughts. I'd like to say, though, as far as All-Stars all go, like, you forget that like, just because someone's a bench player one year, they could have a completely different narrative to them. So, like, when we're doing these one-season, like, research things, I was so surprised to, like, see people who would later be, 
you know, really good players having this one season where they contributed in a small role to this team that I had no idea they were part of. Like, it's so fun to like, to look at all like the, the places that these players will go. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, there's a lot of players who, when they were younger, had to uh, come to the league, take it up bench roles, and then kind of as they developed, became stars, and those bench years became kind of forgotten, but they were still, they still had that talent there also. Okay, so my team, which I think has the best bench of all time, is the 2013-2014 Spurs. So if you remember, this was kind of towards the end of the Spurs' 20-year run uh, with their core of Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. This was their fifth and final championship. And this team was getting a little older, but they were extremely dominant, especially in the finals. This team blew out the Miami Heat, the big three with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, an all-time great team. They blew them out in finals margin, beating them by an average of 14.5 points per game in the finals. This was, a, this was a very deep team and a very just like all-around fundamentally sound team who moved the ball, and they kind of epitomized teamwork, right? So Greg Popovich, he doesn't like playing his stars too much or too many minutes, and so it forces the bench players to kind of step up, and it forces each Spurs team to have to uh, call from players off the bench, as did this team. And this bench team was, I would say, their best bench ever. It averaged 45 points per game, which led the league in scoring. And in today's day and age, with higher pace, this would be about 50 points per game. Their bench was most known for their shooting and their ball movement and team play. And the bench had a 3.8 plus minus. Which basically that means when the bench is on the floor, they're all scoring teams by 3.8 points, which is pretty insane because that means that if this bench was a team, it'd be a pretty respectable team. Probably uh, similar to that, that Magic team, no offense. Their most notable Not players is point guard, backup point guard, Patty Mills. Okay, He came in for Tony Parker, who's a Hall of Famer, so he kind of had some pressure to uh, back up the uh, second-leading score on the team, but he did very well. He's an off-dribble shooter, an off-catch shooter. He's, a, he's basically just a three-point shooter, right? But he's also a point guard, so he can handle the ball. He's pretty athletic. He can orchestrate the offense. But mostly what he was known for is his shooting, and he would kind of just get in and then get hot, right? He shot 42.5% from three, which is a really high three-point percentage, and... It was probably like top 10 of that uh, year. And in today's NBA, well, he would be uh, one of the top shooters in the league. And he had 10.2 points per game, which is pretty respectable, pretty good for a backup point guard, and 19 minutes per game, which is a good amount of minutes. And one interesting stat I found about Patty Mills was that he was 20th in the league in win shares in the whole league. And a win share is basically an advanced metric that kind of shows like how much you contribute to winning. So Patty Mills being 20th in that in the whole league is pretty impressive to me. And one notable game I found from him was in Game 5 against the Heat, the closeout game, he ended up going 5 for 8 from 3, and he ended up kind of 
closing them out when they looked like they were about to make a comeback. He hit like two or three threes in a row in the third quarter, and that kind of put them out of the game. So, yeah, he would get in, get hot, very good player. Next, I got Marco Bellinelli, shooting guard. He's a knockdown shooter, and that's what he did his whole career was hit threes. Uh, This particular year, he shot 43% from threes, and he was fifth in the league in three-point shooting percentage. So, yeah, top-notch shooter, always one of the league's top shooters, averaged 11.5 points per game, and he uh, really fit in with the Spurs space offense. And he really fit in well backing up to Danny Green, who was also a great shooter. The star of this bench, definitely Manu Ginobili. Glorified six-man. And when you think of the Spurs, you think of Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And his whole career, he was known for being a six-man. He was known for leading the bench. He actually won six-man of the year in 2008. And this particular year, he averaged 12.3 points and 4.3 assists. And he was a really good playmaker. Even though 4.3 assists doesn't seem like a lot, it was actually second on the team. And in the Spurs offense where uh, you move the ball a lot, no one ends up getting that many assists. So him getting four assists per game is actually pretty good. Uh, He's a good shooter, really creative. If you didn't know this, he invented the Eurostep in his first year in the NBA, and he's a veteran. He has championship experience, and he knows how to lead the bench. Also, 17th in the league in win shares. Now, my last notable player off this bench is Boris Dio. He played power forward. I think this is the one player that translates really well into basketball in 2020. He was a great all-around player. He was a stretch four. He could basically do everything. He was athletic. He had a good three-point shot, great mid-range shot. He was strong, and he was exceptional in the low post. In the finals, he kept taking advantage of the weaker matchups that the Heat have off the bench with their big men, and he was destroying them in the post. And, yeah, so he basically has the whole package. He can um, slash off the dribble. He can shoot. He can post up. He's your perfect all-around Swiss Army knife type of big man. Average 9 points per game in 25 minutes. This Spurs team uh, didn't have any superstars off the bench, didn't have any all-stars off the bench, but I think that this is one of the best benches because of how experienced they were and how they had kind of everything you need. They had experienced players, they had younger players, they had specialty players, they had all-around players, and they all played together and they moved the ball. Combination of these things, along with them winning the championship, which neither of you two can say about your teams, I think that makes this Spurs team the best bench ever. You guys have any thoughts on that? I will say your bench did average less points than mine did. Okay, well, but yeah, points are not like necessarily the the uh, the end all be all here. Yeah, I think uh, Leo. Even though your team might have scored a few more points, I think my team scored a few more points when it mattered. So that's what I can say about that. I think they worked better together. Uh, your team had that, that one star carrying them, and um, I think that kind of skews it a little bit. And as, think... to, as to Mateo, a team didn't make yeah, it. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay, that's all you got, though, isn't it? <laughs> no, nah, I mean, that's not all I got. 
All I'm saying is there's a few good players, but <laughs> mostly on your team, Mateo, it's farmers. It's players I don't know about, okay? I mean, so that's what I'm saying. Like they're role play. They're good sleep on it. Okay, they're they they're the most slept on bench. I'll give you that. <laughs> I will. Say, I will say that they were all youngins. They were all youngins. Everybody was in like their rookie or second year, and that's like that's what I thought was the most shocking part. I didn't think that they would have that many young guys contributing right away. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You didn't list the playoff stats of your bench. Which was uh, something I found interesting. Okay, you that's sus. That? that is sus. I mean, and yeah. usually when benches go into playoffs, uh, their minutes go down a lot. And from when <sighs> I was searching up playoffs on benches, Mateo's. I'm sorry, your team didn't end up showing up in the playoffs. I know, I know. But um, Ben, I noticed that a lot of these bench players, besides maybe. Patty Mills and Manu Ginobili kind of lost a lot of their minutes and a lot of their efficiency that was like shown in the regular season. And mostly in the playoffs, they had their starters kind of carrying them through the to the finals. Uh, I actually and with my with team, we actually played against the Lakers team, which went six men or like five, or like seven men deep. That was that could be considered one of the greatest teams of all time. Um, I don't I don't really agree with that because I mean your team had Julius Irving who's basically holding most of the scoring load and our team in the playoffs, no one averaged more than seventeen and a half points. So it was a pretty balanced effort going straight down the line. Maybe the bench had a little bit less points than in the regular season, but that's because of the playoffs, it was much more competitive. Especially in this day and day and age, there's more good teams. I mean, that Lakers team was a tough team, but I think that compares pretty well to the Heat team that this first team beat. That's an argument for another day. I mean, when your highest leading scorer is only averaging 17 points, like you're going to need a good bench. So if they didn't have a big good bench, how did they beat that Heat team? Kawhi and Tim Duncan. Kawhi averaged 14 points per game. Tim Duncan averaged 16. They were and good players. Won. But it was a balanced attack, and that bench was really important. Just the starters, it would not have it would it would not have been enough. Even with like the starters and the average bench, it wouldn't be enough. But the bench is. Why actually the... averaged eighteen points a game? Oh, in the playoffs, he averaged fourteen. I'm talking about the final series. That's because one game, he had a thirty-point game. I'm just saying. I feel like their starting lineup kind of carried their team. Carried their team. With no players averaging twenty, but you can have an even you can have an evenly set up starting lineup where everyone averages fifteen or ten. Uh, so right now I'm looking at the uh, series versus the Heat, and Ginobili was the fourth leading scorer. Patty Mills is the fifth leading scorer. So saying the starters carried them is just untrue, because only three starters average more than those two players off the bench. Also, yeah, Boris Bell was seventh. Bellinelli with nine in ninth. I mean, we had two players in the top five. for. They're averaging that. a lot less than what they did, though, besides, besides Ginobili and Patty Mills. Well, if you look at the stats, everyone averaged less. I mean, there's no doubt about that. In the finals, we got, like, Tony Parker, 18 points, Kawhi, 17, Tim Duncan, 15. All right, that's the big three right there in this, in this year. And then it's basically the bench. There's no one else in the starting lineup. 
who really did that much besides Danny Green, averaging about nine, nine or ten points. And then after that, it's all bench players. So I don't know how you could even make that argument. Especially oh, uh, coming from someone who in the finals got carried by Dr. J and still lost. I don't oh think they got God. carried by Dr. J because Andrew T- Tony aver- actually averaged 26 points a game off the bench. Okay, sure. They have one good bench player. But I don't think having a good six. And they also had Daryl really? Dawkins average 16 points off the bench in the finals. You got two good players off the bench, and I got, I got four. So I, I think, think I have you that only have up. two because the rest of yours also dropped off. Because I still had other players come off the bench who averaged who averaged six and Clinton Ripperson, who would be equal to Boris Diaw and Mike Batome averaging 5.3, who would equal out to Marco Bellinelli. Uh, but they I, did lose. I will I give you that. They I didn't win the championship. I disagree no with chip, the fact no that it's win. all about pure points. Okay, In the 70s, the pace was a lot higher than it was in 2013 and 14. They played up and down, not much defense. I don't think it's all about points. I think it's a lot about the ball movement they did. No one on the Spurs scored a lot of points. This Your 76ers team might have been an ISO-centric team, but this team moved the ball. And I can see past the fact that maybe we didn't have a player who scored 16 off the bench. But we had a lot of players who knew how to play and could play their role. So I don't think it's always about who scored the most points. I don't think it's always about, I'm just saying... I think my bench might have been slightly more efficient than yours, but your bench got the championship and got the job done at the end of the day. So I can't really say anything about along the lines of that. I mean, the Spurs team had record efficiency in the finals, and we blew out the heat in record margin. So yeah, I can't. I can't really argue that. Yeah. So uh, switching gears a little bit, one team that we didn't talk about, but I think is a all-time great bench team is the Clippers from 2020 this year. Um, I know the year is not really, might not be finished, and we're looking at it through the midpoint of the season with this corona break, but I think seeing they have some really talented players off the bench, I think it's definitely one of the most talented benches ever with Lou Williams, Harrell, Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson, I think it's definitely one of the most talented benches, even though they might not have the chemistry of other benches. I think this is another solid bench that's worth mentioning. What do you guys think about that bench? I definitely think as far as like inter- individual talent goes, like they were getting shit done. Like th- this is a team like I'm not sure they have I'm not sure if there's another team out there that has the kind of talent that that team does. I can't think of one at least. Yeah. So this is just one team. They definitely don't have the chemistry or any of that. They don't have anything really proven yet, but just talent. It's pretty much an all-star team bench, in my opinion. The all-star team of benches. I mean, but, you could argue that Lou Williams and Montrez should be on the all-star team. You could argue that. Yeah. 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 I definitely think it's a little bit skewed by Lou Williams because he does play, like, I think the second or third most minutes on the team. He definitely plays over 30. Yeah, 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 yeah. But even if you, like, kind of minimize him a little bit, it's still a great bench. We have to see what happens in playoffs, really. Yeah, so this is kind of one that's, like, you can't really make a solid argument for, but I think it's worth mentioning. Any more points on this uh, bench thing? 
I don't got a whole much uh, more to say. By your team or another team? I think I've obviously. Oh, obviously the stats from like 2019, seven, 1981. They don't have as much stats for the 2013-2014 season compared to those. That's my last point on that. Uh, yeah. like advanced stats are yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like hard to find certain information on things. I will say the yeah, I... the finding of like finding like highlights or anything from 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 seasons like before social media age, like, it's it's just hard. Or from, yeah, like, yeah. A, a minor team. Like, if you're, the, if you're in the 90s Bulls, you're going to find tape online. But but if you're the 1999-2000 Orlando Magic, you're not finding stuff online, like, I'll tell you that. Yeah. But, yeah, any final thoughts from anyone? I feel like everyone had um, really good teams and really good points and... Even though uh, you two put up a good effort, I think um, I took the W on this one. All right. Honestly, I, mean, I think like it's. I don't think there's really much comparison that you can do between benches, just because like the level at which like benches are going to contribute to any team is going to be different. Like there's, it doesn't matter. Like when 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 the entire purpose of this Orlando Magic team was like to to try and win 40 something games like they they were never going to contend so like they were going to play their bench a lot more and so you're you're just not going to be able to really compare like the purpose of the benches and so i, I think it's kind of hard to say who's the best bench mm-hmm. but definitely a lot of interesting benches out there that have been really good to their teams so it's a cool thing to talk about yeah i agree Leo, you want to give a little uh, closing statement since you you had did the intro? Uh, check us out on Twitter and Spotify. No, I'm kidding. That's Hub Time Hoops.